0: My friends, welcome to the Bible Project podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, and you've joined us today as we kick off a new section. We're going to be, I think, for two studies. Uh, we've arrived at Genesis chapter 44, and I think it's gonna take us two studies to go through this chapter. And uh, I really do hope you're benefiting from being part of this journey together through the whole Bible. If you've arrived for the first time, I'd just like to quickly remind you that there's always a transcript of each and every one of these podcasts available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast. Doesn't really matter what app or where you're getting your podcast from, you should find an episode notes page in there where you can not only access the transcript, but there's various other ways that you can connect to my ministry and the teaching resources that I make available. But anyway that's it by way of introduction today, so with that we'll dive straight into the main text and I'll see you back at the end just to update you and say bye bye. So off we go now. Hi friends, welcome to another new day as we are working through the Genesis chapter by chapter verse by verse. Today, we're opening up and looking at Genesis chapter 44. And I've called the study, the unpacking of this chapter, how to achieve complete reconciliation. Now, when you get to the latter end of the book of Genesis, we see this holy alienation and reconciliation motif playing out between Joseph and his brothers. It's a lengthy narrative and it's played out over more than 10 chapters. And we've witnessed the beginning of this process as we've worked through some of these previous chapters. Now, there are several chapters on this subject of reconciliation. And there are different insights into each episode that we can unpack. Insights that I believe that can be applied beyond the situation that we're looking at here, but into our everyday lives. So what we're going to do that today is look at this next episode in this ongoing saga of Joseph, getting to the point where hopefully he can be reconciled with his brothers. But I'll just remind you of the story so far, uh, in case you weren't along for the whole journey and you've just dropped in here because you wanted to find some teaching in Genesis chapter 44. The background to the events we're going to look at today is that his brothers had originally sold him into slavery. They did that because they were jealous of him and he ended up in Egypt. Now, as you may know, he also then ended up in jail in Egypt, wrongly accused of something he didn't do. But from there, he amazingly in one day goes from being a prisoner to being prime minister of the whole land, second in charge of all of Egypt, only answerable to Pharaoh. But then the famine that he predicted arrived in the land the famine that he warned was coming to the region and it was those insights that got him this amazing elevation of position but meanwhile back in the land of Canaan his brothers were sent by his father Jacob now who's been renamed Israel and he sends his sons Joseph's brothers to get food but and when they arrive in Egypt Joseph of course recognizes him but because of the way he's dressed and the fact that he's speaking through an interpreter, they actually don't recognize him. So he asks them questions. He questions them about their circumstances and he establishes that there's now only 10 brothers and that they've left one behind. They left him back in Canaan uh, with their father and that that brother is called Benjamin. So Joseph then says, okay, I'm going to keep hold of Simeon I'm gonna test if everything you're telling me is true. So I'm going to keep hold of one of you brother, Simeon, and I want you to return to Canaan and come back up again with this other brother, Benjamin, you've spoken up about. Now that was the deal. And sure enough, they set off back home, but there, when they got there, their father would not let them take Benjamin back into Egypt. One of the factors being the money that they were given to pay for the grain originally, From their point of view, it somehow ended up back in their sacks and they were concerned that they might be accused of stealing the original set of grain. But in time, the famine digs in and it gets more and more severe. And finally, Jacob, Israel concedes and says, all right, you can take Benjamin back into Egypt. And that's what they do. The brothers return to Egypt again, this time with Benjamin. Now what that does in the overall scheme of things is allows Joseph to see if they're going to demonstrate that they can be trusted. He's not trusting them automatically. I mean, after all, these are the guys who sold him into slavery, but there's more to that story than just going on than this test of trust. So, but anyway, at this point, he's decided to test them in this way. So the question for us becomes, What else does there need to be seen here in order for there to be a complete reconciliation? If they're going to get to a point where they can all be completely reconciled because they would or should be deeply divided parties based upon the events that have occurred, what does Joseph need? What else needs to happen? And this is where we are and we arrive in this story at this point in Genesis chapter 44. Now, keep in mind that as we open this story, and we've just closed off chapter 43, the brothers have already demonstrated to a good degree their overall trustworthiness. So Joseph, it would seem, already in his heart, is in the position that he wants to forgive him. That's not the issue. It doesn't lie on Joseph's side. They've demonstrated their trustworthiness, but so the question is, what else Is there to discover here? What does Joseph need to discover here? And what can we learn for it? So we're going to pick up the text in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, which tells us this. Now Joseph gave instructions to the steward of the house. Fill the man's sack with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack along with the silver that they had paid for the grain and he did as joseph said as morning dawned the men went on their way with their donkeys so we'll just pause there for a second the latest episode ended with them having a banquet i don't know if you remember so the banquet is now over and joseph says i want you to give them as much grain as they can carry as they possibly can fit on their donkeys but I also want you to put the money that they paid for the grain back in the saddlebags. Then he says, I want you to take this cup of mine and put it in the sack of the youngest one. The youngest one, of course, is Benjamin. And so this simply tells us then that the brothers depart and they're going back to Canaan with food, but with the money also back in the sack and a cup, a cup that clearly they shouldn't really have in their possession. Not to mention the fact the money again, which was meant to be handed over and paid for the grain, which was done, but it's now ended up back in the sacks again. So the question is, what's going on here? What's he doing now? What's Joseph doing now? He's already made them demonstrate they're trustworthy, and to all intents and purposes they've done that. So what's this one about? Why is he doing this now? The answer is, it seems to me that they're sort of like he's setting up Benjamin as a, as a thief isn't he? Well we see at the minute the reason he's doing this and he sends the steward after them very clearly by doing that Benjamin's going to be caught isn't he? Because he's got the one who's got the cup in his sack. So on one level he's potting against him but the nature of the scheme is Joseph planned is he's demonstrated that they've overcome their dishonesty and are generally behaving in a trustworthy manner. But he wants to see specifically when these circumstances play out, will they stick up for Benjamin? Will they have compassion on Benjamin? Or will they just say, oh right, if he's the one, take him back, let him go back, throw him in prison. Will they say just let the dice land where they land, throw him in prison and we will all just go on our way which remember is pretty much what they did to Joseph when he was young, remember? So what's going on here is a second part, another test if you like, and the question is how will they be seen to respond? So these opening three verses just tell us about this plan, the scheme, this conspiracy almost, which revolves around the silver cup, which we'll get to the significance of in a minute. Now, the next set of verses show us the brothers being confronted with this situation and we'll see how they respond. So let's pick up the story in verse four. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to them, to the steward, go after these men at once and when you catch up with them, say, why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing that you have done. Joseph then says, so he's saying, look, go after them, catch up with them, accuse them of stealing the cup, and we'll see how that works out. Now this thing about this cup being used for divination, that sounds a bit uh, dodgy to us, doesn't it? Joseph says, I want you to catch up and accuse them of stealing the cup that he uses to divine truth. Now. That sounds like paganism, doesn't? That sounds like the very thing that later in the Mosaic law will come out and reveal to be forgiven. So a question that pops into my mind, and I'm sure into yours is, did Joseph really use that cup for that purpose? Well, I think the indications later in the story are that no, he didn't, he didn't actually use it. The the cup itself, and the fact that it is perceived to have value amongst the egyptians and the jesus brothers would have known that is all forming part of this deception i suppose is the only word i can think of it that he's planning uh, this trick on his brothers that he's planning so that's his instructions anyway go overtake them and accuse the youngest of stealing this special cup so the narrative continues when he caught up with them he repeated these words to them But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. That's the last time. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Oh, that's a rash statement, isn't it? They are so sure that none of them took the cup that they're almost indignant in their response. They're very confident. They say, look, you search, search through all of us. We didn't take it. And if someone did, whoever took it, that person, well, they can die. And the rest of us, well, we'll all become your slaves. That's an incredible declaration that they're making. They're saying that if it turns out that one of them has stolen the cup, well, they can be killed. And if any of us did it, The rest of us will become your slaves. They're so confident that none of them took the cup. The story continues. Very well then, he said. Let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. But the rest of you will be free from blame. So this is the steward speaking here in this verse. And he is saying, wait a minute. Let's not get too hasty. I'll tell you what's to be. If we find the cup, we're not going to blame the rest of the people. We're just going to blame the guilty one, and that one will be taken into our custody and used as a slave. This is the test now. This is the whole point of the story to see how they're going to react. These brothers are going to react to this situation. Verse 11. Each of them quickly lowered their sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search beginning with the oldest and ending up with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that scenario playing out? What a drama. There are ten brothers. Now well, at this point of course there are eleven, but there's ten here. So then they start with the youngest and they go through them in age order and they go through the second, then the third, then the fourth. Putting it in age age order really builds tension when we know the cup's in the sack of the youngest, doesn't it? But you can imagine what the brothers are thinking. They're probably getting more and more confident as they go through. Probably with each additional brother, they're even getting more and almost to the point of getting cocky. They are probably thinking, we told you we didn't take the cup. But then they get to Benjamin, and oh dear, the cup is in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves on the ground before him. I really believe these brothers are in emotional agony now. I mean, they promised their father, Jacob, that they would bring Benjamin back. And now Jacob has been set up a thief. And dragged back to Egypt. So the big question is are they going to stick by the brother? Because remember, they didn't stick by Joseph all those years ago. So the test is to see whether they'll just desert him. And that, I believe, is the whole point, and that, I believe, is the higher purpose of Joseph's scheme. So this now is the turning point of the story. They tear their clothes which in the ancient world was seen as a sign of great distress, great grief, bereavement either. So even though they are scared, they are terrified, they still say, we're going to go and try and get Benjamin back. They're aware of the consequences that this could have for all of them, but they still say, we're going back. So they go back to the city, they agree to go back to the city en masse and throw themselves upon the mercy of this guy who we know is joseph but they don't verse 15 then tells us joseph said to them what is this that you have done don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination now we know that these brothers think that he's an egyptian and that they probably think because he's an egyptian that he's finding things out by divination but apparently Clearly he didn't need the cup to do any of this and he's implying to them that he did this but of course meaning if he did it while they were there that clearly points out that he did it without using the cup. So he's drawing attention to the fact that he has this gifting but didn't need the sacred cup in order to discern what the situation was. Now we know that he, we understand that he has done some similar things because he has been recognised as someone who was an interpreter of dreams. That was the thing that got him into trouble in the first place with the family. A matter of fact, the whole story of Joseph started with him having a dream, a dream which he interpreted for his brothers and opened up a whole can of worms when they became jealous of him. But then, of course, he interpreted that dream in prison to the other prisoners and it was the interpretation of that, the knowledge of that, that brought him before Pharaoh in this time of crisis where he wasn't able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Only in these cases, in all these cases, it was the Lord that was giving him the information. It was the Lord that was allowing to interpret these dreams and he makes that clear in his explanation of the interpretation of those dreams at that time. So always it is the Lord that is giving him the information that allows him to have insight into these situations. Now, one of the brothers, Judah, speaks up now and he does that in verse 16. What can we say to my Lord, Judah replied? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the ones who were found to have had the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing, only the man who is found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you can go back to your father in peace. Now, there's a couple of observations here, which are very important and things I think we need to understand when understanding the story. They say this thing that God has found out, God has found out about their guilt. Now, to me, this seems to imply that they're admitting that there is guilty things that have gone on in the past in the build up to this point of the story. And that's because they're thinking, look what's happened to Benjamin and this situation. We don't know how it's happened. It almost appears to have happened supernaturally. Maybe God is now punishing us for the guilt of the sins of our past. Maybe they're thinking God is punishing them for the sins they committed in originally selling Joseph into slavery. So maybe they're thinking their chickens have come home to roost, so to speak. Maybe they're actually finally got to the point where they're acknowledging that they have committed sins, even if those sins were long ago, and that the Lord is disciplining them now through this situation because of their previous sin. So here's what's significant about the story, the crux of the story. They turn to Joseph and they say, we are, we are your slaves, Lord. You are our Lord. And here's the critical point. Both we and he are yours to do with as you wish. And by doing so, here's the key thing. They're not only accepting their situation, but they are demonstrating their absolute loyalty to their brother Benjamin. And I believe that's what this story is all about. This is critical because these brothers are fully demonstrating that they really are changed people. Joseph, he became a slave. They're the ones who sold him into slavery. Not nice guys, but now they are truly transformed people. And they're not going to allow this situation and the, the guilt of it to fall on Benjamin on his own. They're going to stick together as brothers. They're going to remain loyal to him, no matter what the circumstances. And you know what? That is just what Joseph wanted to hear. Well, we'll just pause there and we'll pick up the rest of the story next time. Okay, there we go now. That's it for today. You may have noticed uh, the camera's slightly different today. I've had a, a problem with the, the main PC and I'm using a rather uh, smaller, probably lower quality little uh, tablet laptop I have. Anyway, I hope the sound and the image quality is okay for you and you've been able to follow along. And We'll try and get things fixed and back to, to normal as soon as possible. We shall continue part two of this story Uh, It'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it happens to be for you. Just remind you again that there's access to lots of other teaching and resources, things like my YouTube channel, the Facebook page, and also even a Patreon, where if you feel you want to partner with the ministry, you can do that there. I'd just like to thank you all for joining me on this incredible journey as we work together through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I would particularly like to thank those of you, and I'm asking some of you to make the commitment for pray for me and this ministry, that I will be able to have the time, the organizational skills to set aside the preparation of um, um, and the presentation of almost 25 minutes of teaching every day over at least the next five years or until this project is completed. Pray that I might have good health, and the resources in order in which to do this and keep this going thank you so much for joining you know there are thousands of us we're reaching around about coming close to 120,000 daily downloads now which is amazing Uh, thousands of you listening to the audio version of this podcast Uh, so i just thank you for coming along on this journey with me it's such an encouragement to me I know I'm getting so much out of it. I hope you are too. I also hope that if you're finding this is helpful and beneficial that you consider liking it or sharing it on whatever part of the internet that you happen to live in and exist in that will really help the word of God get before more and more people and will allow people to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives which I believe, and I'm sure you do too, is a really good thing. But anyway, we leave it there. That's it for today. I'll see you right back here. It'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it'll happen to be for you. It's actually, what is it? It's the 5th of August, 2022. But whatever day you happen to arrive in this today, I hope you're going to stick with us for the journey, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Bye-bye for now.